What's up? It's Casey, and we have something so exciting to share with you. Another thing that has been in the works for five ever. It is dun-dun-dun, bitches talk a lot. I mean, a mock. It is an audio mock exam. 175 questions that we read to you and we give you time to answer, and then we give you the correct answer and, of course, the feedback. Why why the answer is right and why the other ones are wrong. You do not want to miss this. You can now take a mock exam wherever you are, at the gym, in the car, breastfeeding, whatever you want to do. We got you. You can find this in our shop at www.studynotesaba.com. Behavior bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey, and we are here with episode 92. Casey, what rhyme do you have for us today? Well, today's rhyme is episode 92. Reality TV gives you something to do. Does that mean it's a waste of time or a good use of time? We don't know, but it does definitely give you something to do. I am very excited about today's podcast because I'm sure if you're a BCBA or you're studying to become BCBA or BCABA or anything behavioral at all, I'm sure you watch a lot of these shows and you're like, did they really just reinforce that behavior? Fuck. Uh, So we're going to be talking about reality TV today and we have a really awesome guest But before we do that, you know your girls over here love to hear some positive reinforcement about ourselves. Um, I guess it's automatic because we're reading – no, but it's socially mediated because you guys left it for us. But anyways, here we go. Casey, what is our review of the day? All right. This one comes in from Ty Girl, I think. It's T-Y-G-R 1983. Ask and you shall receive, Liat. Uh Uh-oh. Where's this one going? She says, I'm taking the not-so-subtle hints that Liat keeps dropping and leaving a five-star review. I love listening to you ladies. You two just have a way of making the listeners feel like we know you. Hashtag relatable AF. I appreciate everything you are doing for our field. I found you through your podcast, recommended by a grad school classmate, and decided to check out Study Notes ABA. You ladies are exactly what I needed to get the motivation to study. The Fall 2020 Collective was magical. It showed me my weak areas and made me feel good about what I consider to be my strong areas. Now, as a BCBA, congratulations. I love that I can continue to feel like a part of the community with the Cooper and Coffee Book Club and continuing to be an avid podcast listener. Can't wait to sign up for some CEUs. Bottom line, thank you for being you. Love ya. Mean it. That that should have been our ad, literally. (laughs) That should have been our ad. And first of all... That just shows that my man was reinforced with a specific reinforcer that um, I requested. So anyone who thinks I'm annoying for always kind of being really desperate is a nice way to put it, I think, of asking you guys to leave five-star reviews. I don't regret it at all in case anyone wanted to know, and I will continue asking you guys to leave five-star reviews or nothing at all. So thank you so much for that review. They never get old. Love you, mean it, and I really mean it because I'm thankful that you guys take the time to do that. So thanks. (sighs) All right. Today, 
We have an awesome guest, and I think this podcast is one of those ones that has been uh, – it's taken a while to actually get together and make it happen, so I'm happy that it's finally happening. This guest reached out to us a while ago and said, you know, I want to talk about reality TV, and I was like, oh my God, me too. I probably had like watched The Bachelor the night before or something, and – she also sent us this entire outline about it, and that's our favorite kind of guest, one who comes like organized with all the topics, behavior principles we'll talk about. So without further ado, Casey, can you tell us about our guest today? I would love to. So yeah, I ended up having to do the pre-meeting by myself with Mallory. I don't know where Liat was, but we were ta- talking, and she was just super cool and had a ton of stuff to talk about for reality TV. And I have recently become sickly obsessed with 90 Day Fiance and I need an intervention ASAP. Um, but anyways, let me tell you a little bit about Mallory. So Mallory has worked in the field of developmental disability services for 10 years. She started in the field um, in an ABA preschool and later went on to other special ed teaching positions, managing group homes and supported living services. And she's now a behavior analyst. She has a double major undergraduate degree from the University of Utah in psychology and human development and family studies, and a master's degree in special education, specialized in ABA from Arizona State University. She passed this beast of an exam in May 2020 and is also a licensed behavior analyst in the state of Utah. She currently works as a behavior consultant across Salt Lake, and I can't pronounce this county, but it looks like Tool County. I'll let her tell us when she comes on. Tool? Tuella. Y'all know I can't pronounce anything. Working with adults and children with developmental disabilities and kids in foster care to train their caregivers on long-lasting behavior change. She also has two kids, one bonus and one while she had in her master's program. That's tough. She's a self-proclaimed reality TV expert and her favorite music genre is progressive, again, Mallory, gent? Gent, yep, the D silent. Gent. I thought so. Gent metal. And she'll also have to tell us what that is because I have no fucking idea. So welcome to the show, Mallory. Thank you for coming. Yes, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And also fun fact about me, I'm a Behavior Bitches super fan. And I actually found you guys through reality TV because I was watching The Circle. Shout out to Sammy. And she said, I'm an RBT. I said, I know what that is. And then later on, she was on your show. So that's how I found you guys. That is crazy. I remember when we recorded that episode with Sammy, I was actually in Dallas. Remember that? And yes. I like randomly, I mean, I loved the circle and I watched it. And I was like, I'm just going to shoot this girl an email. She's in the field. There's no way she's going to respond. And she responded like super normal and was like, yeah, totally. I'll come on. Um, and I actually think she's about to go through one of our courses for um, to take her test. She's been Instagramming, messaging me. Instagramming, Instagram messaging me, DMing me. So, yeah, whatever. So, yeah, so that's so cool. I love that. So, this is perfect that you're here to talk about this stuff. Also, I'm feeling cool because, okay, you're not supposed to judge a book by their cover, but if you look at Mallory, she looks like really cool. And I also happened, if you want to kind of imagine what she looks like, I watched the movie earlier this week, Pieces of April, with um, uh, Katie Holmes. And I don't know if it's like the bangs but you're channeling it. And so I'm like, this cool girl is a super fan of us. What? So I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for coming. And I can't wait (laughs) to talk about this shit too. All right. 
So before we get started, I want to give you guys just some behavioral concepts we'll be covering throughout this. Obviously, you know, we always go off the script and we do some more, we do some less, whatever. But the behavioral principles of today are generalized condition reinforcers, functions of behavior, motivating operations, antecedent interventions, preference assessment, stimulus control, group contingencies, compound schedules of reinforcement. And I'm sure there will be much, much more because I think it's all the crazy behavioral principles and behaviors we see in these shows that keep all of us watching. So just to get started, what shows are you currently watching, Mallory? I am actually currently watching a lot of tattoo shows. So LA Inc., Miami Inc., there's a new one on Hulu where they're in the UK. It's called like Tattoo Fixers. Do they fix like your ex-boyfriend's name and stuff? Yeah, like really shitty tattoos. (laughs) Or really inappropriate ones. Oh, I do you guys love think that. I, do you guys think I should get the live free or die off my ass con removed? <laughs> Just the New Hampshire state motto. <laughs> live free 13 die, you mean? That's true. Okay, I have to tell Mallory the story real quick. I'm not sure if our listeners even know. I think I probably said it in the beginning. Um, it was Friday the 13th, and it, in order to get the deal, you had to get the number 13 in your tattoo. So I, <laughs> I don't know why I thought of this. I was young and dumb. But it's, I did. I was like, oh, I'll just do live free 13 die instead of or. So it's not even the actual state motto and it has a random number in it. But I don't know. I just, it's something that I'm just not very proud of. <laughs> I think we should ass. keep it. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to keep it, but. <laughs> it's, it gives us much more like cool clout case because like I have no stories like that. Exactly. It's like so my only you, badass part of myself. Exactly. Okay, Casey, what shows are you watching? Well, I'm watching 90 Day Fiance, and I just find the behaviors absolutely, like, insane. Like, how can someone throw such, like, tantrums? Like, some of these, like, the fights that they get into, it's, like, alarming. One girl keyed the word idiot into someone's car. Like, and there's, they still would come back. Why? Like, what is maintaining? What is so strong that's maintaining the behavior? And I'm I'm torn between, you know, like, Sometimes when someone's they do show you good parts, right? So like that intermittent variable schedule of reinforcement is really strong to resistant to extinction. And the other part of me thinks it's attention maintained because they're on TV. So like, you know, I think if they may not have been being filmed, or I would hope that some of these relationships would have ended like right after one of these like alarmingly like physical fights. Um, but like if they're in it for this attention maintained behavior, then they're going to keep coming back to see how much drama they can get. Right. Yeah. And I think it depends on the person too, because there may be some attention maintained, but then there's like these, the example with Colt and Larissa, I don't know if you've seen them, but there are fights that take place off camera. And then you'll see the little blurb that says, you know, Larissa got arrested. So that was not in front of the camera. So it kind of goes back to like individualized, you know, Programs mm-hmm. or individualized functions for potentially the same behavior. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting. Okay, can we operational? I know we didn't plan this, but can we operationally define what makes something a reality show? That is such a good question because I guess one of the main things that comes up when you see like a description of the show is unscripted, but arguably some of these things are scripted. So. Maybe it just depends on how much that um, the environments are being manipulated. 
by producers or by whoever. Yeah. What I've noticed with 90 Day Fiance is that, and I don't know why I still watch it because like they will post these like, and like what's no going to happen. Case, that season is like at least three years ago. Like <laughs> I know. Well, I wasn't married to Ellie Ron. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to be like, okay. But anyways, okay. But that's continue. all is on Hulu. So it's all I have. But anyways, they like, they, the producers are trying to build up this, like, you know, make this like, oh my God. Like, so they take things out of context. So you see these pre-clips of like, you know, the guy saying like, do you love me? And then like flip camera to the female and it's like, no, or something like that. Right. Or you just here for a green card and they're like, yes. But then you actually watch what ha- the episode airs and that wasn't actually what happened. Like <laughs> they, it wasn't the right scene. They put two scenes together that wasn't real. I'm like, this is, it's, that's what keeps me coming back. Cause I'm like, oh, they build your real. MO. They build the MO and create this like, oh my God, I have to see like, you know, she hit him like, oh my God, like I've got to see this or whatever it is. And then I like watch it. I'm like, oh, that wasn't even that dramatic. Cause they like took it out of context. So yeah, I don't know. But yeah. So I think it's really hard to operationally define at least at this point in time, what is actually reality TV and what is not. Exactly. Yep. So like would intervention be considered reality TV? I would think so because it's not something that's I mean, scripted. it's pretty real. Yeah, it doesn't use actors or actresses. That could be something else that falls under the operational definition, like something that is, you know, quote, air quotes, ordinary people. Because that's my jam. But what about the Kardashians? Because aren't they famous? I guess they're not actresses and actors. They kind of started off in the reality TV realm, and now they've branched out to that type of thing. And I see that with 90 Day Fiance, too. Like people start off in this reality TV, but then they branch off to these other things that are still very promotional. Um, OnlyFans, for example, like different things to get them out there. So that makes me think, okay, maybe they did the show originally for that attention based function. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Um, So let's talk about like um, what kind of, behaviors like when you see on like game shows like we talked about like generalized condition reinforcers like talk about that a little bit yeah so when I watch a game show or even other reality tv shows that are more competition based what is the thing that they win one of the biggest most motivating generalized condition reinforcers money (laughs) you win tons of money you know or potentially could you know um, or not. And so then there's also other prizes like on the prices, right? You know, you could win tangible items like a fridge or a car or a vacation, or even for shows like America's Next Top Model, you win a contract. So these are also very tangible things. So, you know, there's the generalized, but then there's also other reasons, you know, if you. Yeah, I always wonder that on the prices, right? I'm like, how do you effing know that? that person wanted a snowmobile. Like I live in Dallas, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it's so true. Like they're, it's not like preference assessment. There's no preference assessment being done for that person. They're just like excited to win whatever it is. Like some of the prizes, I'm like, that's fucking lame. Like I would be pissed if like Liat went before me and got the car and then like mine came up and I got like a blender. Right? Like There is not one. Cool. This is a good example of what we're talking about, but not a good example, is that there was a woman in a wheelchair who won a treadmill. What did they do? Did they give her a different prize? So from what I've read from behind the scenes type of things, because, you know, I'm like all about that too. You know, let's hear the deep secrets of the reality TV right. 
kind of like seeing you guys before we um, started recording <laughs> seeing the behind <laughs> the scenes. Um, yeah. But I think that they exchange it for cash. Like they just oh. give a cash prize instead of the actual appliance or treadmill or something like that. So again, back to the generalized conditioned reinforcer, mm -hmm. which is a big, you know, probably motivator of why people go on these types of shows. So true. And it just becomes fun, like winning anything. Like you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I won something. Just the idea of winning too. Like I've won shit before, which is like rare. I'm not one of those people to always win something at all. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't even really know how to yo-yo, but, like, sick, I got this $150 yo-yo, you know? And I'm like, okay. Um, I've won two oh. things. This is, like, a personal thing. I've won two things in my life. Well, probably not only two things, but the two major things I remember, I ended up not even qualifying for them. So, like, I was in college, and I was working at a blood drive for my sorority, and I had entered a drawing to win Red Sox tickets, and they called me and I won them. And they're like, all right, we just need, you know, the proof of you that you gave blood. And I'm like, I actually didn't give blood. I was I was working at it. Like, I didn't have time and it was, like, so busy. And like, oh, that was a requirement. And I'm like, mother effer. And then of the other one. you would tell them the truth. You're such a loser. <laughs> I know. The other one, I was at, like, a sub shop and I entered doing, like, a, I don't know, it was, like, two flights to, like, wherever you want in the world. And at the time, I was, like, making like zero money as like a direct support professional. And they called and I won them. And they're like, we just need proof that you make over 50 grand a year. And I'm like, definitely not in that bracket. And they're like, oh, well, sorry, you don't qualify. I'm like, this is BS. <laughs> like, what kind of luck is that? You have to so, make yeah. a certain amount of money to earn a vacation. I was like, shouldn't this be for the poor people? <laughs> like, Yeah. But I think what you were talking weird. about, Leah, is that um, dual function. Like maybe it's not just one function of the tangible or the attention, but it could be both along with that um, like sensory, you know, input of like, oh, this feels really good to just win something just because I won it. So there's multiple functions going on with that. Of course, a hundred percent. So what I've been watching a lot lately, well, what I always watch, what is it, Casey? The Bachelor. Oh, The Bachelor, definitely. Dr. Phil. This, Dr. Phil. I don't think that's reality, but I <laughs> fucking love Dr. Phil. And um, I've been watching a lot of My Strange Addiction lately. I find that so fascinating. Do you watch that at all? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like Any show night's... like that. My Strange Addiction, yeah. Hoarders, Intervention anything like that. Oh my God. We could totally hang. Exactly. That's what I love. So last night on the, um, my strange addiction, the guy was eating plastic bags. And first of all, my immediate thought was like, how do we get one of these guests on the podcast? Cause this is like a level of pica that is so damn interesting. And it shows how everyone has a different reinforcer. And second thing is I'm like, oh my God, how are these people still alive? watching these shows. And and then I realized why – and then I started thinking, why am I so fascinated? So like even for the podcast, like I want the weirder the better. Like essentially I've like – I want our podcast to be like TLC, you know, like all these like unique living – whatever it is. And Casey's like, I want these behavior analysts who have, you know, discovered the new type of man or whatever it is. And what is it that keeps us so engaged 
with these abnormal or abnormalities of people's life that keeps us so engaged. Like it's just so interesting to see someone else's thing. I don't know if it's because like we all have so much of our own shit to deal with that it's like, ah, let me see someone else's. I think it's like a big escape thing, probably. Like I know Mally and I had talked about like even just watch. I know like when I go to bed, like I don't want to be in my own thoughts. Like I need to escape and look at someone else's fucked up life so that like I'm not ruminating on my own personal thoughts. And like my husband's like, I don't understand why you fall asleep to this garbage. Or he calls it, what does he call it? Junk, I don't know, junk TV or whatever he calls it. Smut. He calls it smut TV. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's probably not good for me, but it is definitely some form of escapism that I'm escaping my own private thoughts. Yeah, I know that's why I watch reality TV is to escape. Mm -hmm. But I think it does help that we are behavior analysts and we're interested in this type of thing. You know, maybe those types of shows were made for us, you know, versus somebody Mm -hmm. who's more into fantasy type shows or books. Like, I'm not really into that type of a thing. Oh, me neither. Or science fiction, like hard no for me. But also our like personal histories, like I don't like watching Intervention. Liat loves it. I get like PTSD from it because like that was basically my life <laughs> with my parents. So yeah. I'm like, I like, I get like, ugh, like I just, it's definitely not something that I like or enjoy watching at all. That's like, like so bitchy of me. Didn't I make you watch it with me when you were in Dallas? <laughs> like, did yes. I not make you like on the couch like a, you were sleeping on? Like I left it on for you. Literally, it was like a we were we had like a lazy day. It might have been rainy or something, and we were like not gonna we were just taking like a day off and we watched intervention for like 12 hours <laughs> that's a long time i call time. it exposure therapy i call it exposure therapy <laughs> see you're, you're doing something in the moment well it just goes to show how two people's learning history are totally different so another behavior yep. example but i think also with shows like that it's typically an area where like the psychologist or the interventionist comes in And I really think in the future, there's potential for BCBAs to get their hands on things like My Strange Addiction. An example I really like is hoarders. Like, I would love as a BCBA to go into a hoarder house. I mean, not for the obvious aspects of like smell or the grossness, but, (laughs) you know, to be able to help that person in a behavior analytic way. Me too. Break through that hoarding. I think there's a lot of potential in that in the future. So Mallory, this is, I'm just gonna say this. We actually, after I met with you, I think it was the same day we met with, a, I met with another girl, her name's Savannah and she'll be coming on. We're still trying to coordinate it, but at, probably at the end of the month. And, um, she is a BCBA also self-proclaimed hoarder and came from like three generations of hoarders. And she's like, since like, she's like, you know, my place looks fine now. I went through a lot of therapy and a lot of training to stop. But it's, I mean, I'm interested in hearing that story as well as a BCBA yourself. Like, I know I suck at applying the interventions to myself. I know that. Like, I can tell anyone what to do. But when it comes to my own life, I'm like, cool, I have this desk calendar. I've had it for six months, told myself I was going to, like, organize. And I'm still not having done any, like, self-management strategies. And I'm still on August 2019 on my calendar. That's, like, my, <laughs> like, to rip off the pages. I'm like, it's way too much work for me to take everything off the calendar to actually they have to rip it off. Well, it it seems like your MO is is different than hers. Like her MO to really like make sure her house is clean, make sure that she can do these daily activities is probably a lot higher than the MO of like 
oh, there's a desk calendar or something like yes. that. Right. Like it's not really impeding my life that much. I like, and still can like keep I mean, a Google I think, calendar. I think as behavior analysts also, we watch these shows and obviously like we're saying based on all these different things is we all like different things, right? Like in our shows. Like so – for me, the more fucked up, the better. So I'm like a huge Dateline. Like, even though I effing know the premise every time. Do you watch Dateline at all, Mallory? Oh, yeah. And true crime. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So it's always the same story, right? There's always like a love triangle. It was a warm winter night in Utah. A nice neighborhood that no one knew about. Everything was happy around town until one night when Justine went to bed. And it's always the same story and Justine was seeing another guy and the guy came and killed like the other guy and it's the same every time, but I still watch it because I'm so fascinated. But, and and I mean, I know a lot of people who like Dateline or true crime or um, anything along these lines, but it's so true as a behavior analyst, you're looking at it and you're seeing everything through a different pair of glasses, like a behavior analytic lens. So everything you do, you're like, you fucking idiot. You left the permanent product behind. Obviously you take the knife, duh, you know, or you left the corpse there. That's a pretty big permanent product that you killed someone or, and I just find it really interesting. And it's what I also find is interesting is, um, that finding patterns, behavioral patterns. So like if you watch Intervention, almost always, and I'm not saying definitely always, they'll go back into the MO, right? They'll be like, so they first show like this person like huffing on um, what pressured air or whatever to clean your computer. They show like all this. And then they this, the show goes to like, um, Susie was such a happy little girl. Blah, blah, blah. When she was 10, her parents got divorced. She was sexually assaulted at this age until this age. And it's almost like, I mean, probably like eight out of 10 times, there's like some sexual assault, abuse, um, something death. going on. Like, you know, like someone really close to them death, died. Yes. Someone very close to them dying or like the person who was like their protector in these situations dying. And it's, it's, it's really interesting, especially when you look at it through our angle, because it's like, if we know these triggers or these, you know, these precursors to this, like, and, and I guess a lot of us are problem solvers. I don't know. I can't speak for everyone in here, but you know, you want to be like, dude, this kid needed an intervention right then. Like they needed to like do this or, or this, or, or you could see the learning history of parents who were doing the same thing for so long. And I think that's why I'm always so fascinated by Casey. And I ask her a million questions a day and she's like, shut up. It's like literally my life. But I'm like, I don't get it. You grew up with this. And why, why is your pattern not like this and this and this? Because it's as a behavior analyst, it's so interesting to see these patterns or these behavior chains. And it's and you almost could predict what's gonna happen next. Yeah, that's um, a part of my consultation practice is working with kids in foster care. So it is kind of away from that traditional autism, discrete child training type of um, BCBA work. And 
that is something that I really like about it. I mean, even though I do see lots of trauma, lots of abuse, I mean, they're in the system for a reason. But I work with either their biological parents or foster parents or whoever's involved, their school, you know, their whole team to really help with those, you know, preventative interventions so that they hopefully don't become a drug user or end up in jail or things like that. But almost always there is trauma, specifically sexualized trauma as a setting event for these behaviors. So I do hear a lot from people who aren't analysts you know, oh, they're doing this because of trauma. So I have to go back and say, well, it's a setting event, but it's not the reason that they're doing it. So it's very interesting. That must be a tough job, Mallory. It is, but it is rewarding, obviously. And ever since COVID, I've been over a computer. So you're like, get me back out there. Yes, I'm so ready to get back out there. <laughs> so one half of my practice is under um, developmental disability services. So people that have that long-term disability funding. So it could be someone with autism. It could be someone with a brain injury or Down syndrome. I mean, anything under that umbrella. And then the other half is kids in foster care, or it could be like juvenile justice system, um, things like that. But what I like about it- I would it, love to work in that. That's cool. I also really like, um, I actually did my um, graduate thesis on this, that it's arguably even more applied than clinical settings that do your traditional ABA. Because I'm going out and I'm working with the parents, I'm working with the staff, I'm working with the teachers to say, what is realistic to run a natural behavior plan with this person and manipulate those before and after things you know, it's definitely not a discrete trial training. I definitely started out in that in my very early career. But now I love the flexibility. I love that my clients could be 40, they could be four, you know, it's just such a range of things. That's awesome. And I'm sure you have to be very pragmatic when you're in these other like non-controlled settings. Like no one wants to listen to you give like a 30 page behavior plan of what they need to implement. Like, I'm sure you have to be very thoughtful in terms of like, what's actually practical here that we could run that is going to have a meaningful outcome on this individual or these individuals. Yes, definitely pragmatic, looking at the bigger picture and lots of pairing with not necessarily the client, but pairing with their family, pairing with their teachers, because having that personable relationship, they're more likely to follow the plan versus it being, because I've worked in group homes too, where I'm like, oh, the behaviorist just comes in. They don't really know the client. They just give us a plan and it's so unrealistic to follow. And now I'm on the opposite side of it where I am the behaviorist going into group homes or wherever and saying like, no, this really will work if you just try it. <laughs> and usually it does, not always. Right. I mean, that's when you go back to the drawing board and you're like, all right, what else can I, what else is going on in this environment that I did not account for? Because <laughs> it's really the environment that you need to change. Um, talking about the, you know, manipulating MOs with reality TV, like, did you guys watch Too Hot to Handle? Yes. One of my favorites when talking about manipulating MOs, because they definitely withhold sex, obviously other shows that are more obvious and then we can get back to too hot to handle, but shows like survivor naked and afraid they're manipulating the very basic MOs, food, water, shelter, things like that to then make it a more, 
yeah, sex in Too Hot to Handle's case to make it a more dramatic effect of this behavior because those MOs are being Can de- you explain what of. the show's about? Because I've never watched Too Hot to Handle. Okay, so Too Hot to Handle, it started out as an interdependent group contingency. So it started out with saying, okay, all of you really sexy people are going to go to an island and you just can't have sex. <laughs> like you can hang out, you can do whatever. I'm sure they probably had booze or whatever, and you just can't have sex with each other. And they were like really sexy people. So yes. like high, like there was a lot of uh, flirting. Sexual and, like, energy. Sexual energy. Yes. And they're all like, you know, in their like 20s, like dr- drunk and like partying. So like they definitely were like manipulating the MO. But go ahead. Oh, yes, definitely. And I think they were also, from what I remember, it's been a while since I watched it, but they were from different areas of the globe. So yes. I think like accents, you know, tend to be like sexy to people or more exotic type things. Um, so basically, the majority of the contestants had a pretty easy time once they realized, okay, this is what the game is. And then of course, there was that generalized um, condition reinforcer at the end where you all can earn a bunch of money if you all do this. But there was one couple in particular I can't remember their names. I think like Francesca. Harry and Francesca. Yes. Yes. They were having a hard time. I was so annoyed with them. I know everybody was right. But (laughs) they were the only two that were like really having a hard time with this no sex thing. So they changed it at the very end to a dependent group contingency. And they just said, okay, now you two can't have sex for everybody to win the prize. And they also had different um, SDs that they would give the contestants. So like a bracelet that would light up and then you could kiss, you know, something like that. So lots of SDs being manipulated, but basically I think in the end they did all win the money. And I think that it didn't go quite as planned because it did switch from that interdependent to that dependent group contingency. Yeah. And they get, um, tell me if I'm wrong, but, they did have sex during it. And when you had sex, they deducted money. Or if you had, you know, if they fooled around, like they would, they had night cameras and they would have to all go to the stage the next day and they would have like a, a, a fine, basically, literally a direct fine that was deducted from their pot of money. So like kissing could have been like $10,000 deducted. And like that created this environment where people would be pissed off, like, at these other people. And so it created then like fights within the group and just so much manipulation. Do you watch the bachelor? I don't No, I don't, but I have watched shows that are based off of the bachelor, like flavor of love, rock of love and all of those spinoffs. And it's interesting that you bring up the bachelor because that's actually how this episode came to be because you put out on Instagram one evening oh, The Bachelor is just like a preference assessment without replacement. And then that's when I reached out back to you and I said, oh, I have tons of ideas based off of reality TV. So there is... why? First, why do you not... I don't want to judge you, but I do. Why do you not watch The Bachelor? (laughs) I don't really know. I guess I just never really got into it. And I think it's so funny, this idea that women or men get upset of like, oh you know, you're going to date so multiple It's so funny. It's people, so dumb. But then they go date multiple people. That's what I don't like about it, Mallory. It's like, I just feel like it's like, 
just like sick. Like, why would you want to be like fighting for the affection of like this man or woman and know that they're going out and doing the same thing with like 20 other women and forming these relationships? Like, it just, it seems like barbaric to me. And on the first show, they're like, I know I'm really falling for him. I I know. (laughs) I'm like, okay. And this season, which we're so ahead of our shows. So I'm sorry, guys. I know you're not watching, but I have to tell you. Um, Right now, Matt is the bachelor. I think he might be the most boring bachelor in history. No offense. Um, I mean, he's good looking, but that's about where it ends. But I have not seen anyone like actually talk about anything of substance the entire time. Every conversation one of them has with him is like, I just want you to know that Ashley I is not here for the right reasons. And she was talking to someone on Instagram like five minutes before coming on the show. And it's like, they spend the entire show like that. And it's, I mean, I I think for me, it's definitely an escape. It's like, okay, this is like so dumb that I love to watch it. And I've also paired it majorly. Like, Elirun knows that's his night that he could like drink as much wine as he wants. Because I've like, I mean, it's COVID. I can't really have anyone else watch with me. So I'm like, it's fun, blah, blah, blah. And he makes like a really good meal on those nights or we order sushi. So it's been paired. But what I find really interesting is these people go on these shows to find love. But are they actually there for love? Because if you think about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, you'd get a new like breaking actor or star come out. I don't know, like maybe like two a year. Like, oh, this is the new Brad Pitt. This is this. Now it's like, Every season of The Bachelor, which is on like five times a year, there's now all these new influencers or celebrities and they now have a show together on, you know, like, or they're now a beauty brand or whatever it is. And so it's like, are these people actually going on to find love or this is their opportunity to make a statement on, you know, on TV where millions of viewers are and then go and live that life. Because, I mean, just looking at statistics, likely most of the Bachelor Bachelorette people do not work out. Yes, I think it goes back to attention probably being one of the main functions that people go on reality TV. And so like you're saying, they go on a reality TV show. It could be The Bachelor. I've also noticed people from The Circle. And I did watch The Circle US, Brazil, and France. (laughs) I don't know if you knew that there was different ones. Yes. (laughs) And they all were really good. Um, But also like 90 Day Fiance, you know, they use that platform to then continue that 15 minutes of fame, right? Get that attention. But I think that with other shows, there is that dual function of like they get to basically escape their life and go on this reality TV show. Um, real quick, has anyone watched Love is Blind? No, you told me about it last time, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But it's on my watch list. So like, again, I can't imagine like getting engaged to someone without ever seeing them. But they're trying to like tear down the barriers of like looks and not judging someone by what they look like, but who they are as a person. So they're literally in two separate rooms and they just like rotate through people and just like have I did watch that one. I thought you were talking about yeah. the other one where they had the experts already pair them off and then they had to find who they were with. But you're talking about the one where 
Yes. And there was like a guy. Yeah. (laughs) She's 35. (laughs) Jessica is 35. Well, she made it very clear on the show that she was 35. But then there is also. (laughs) She did. Yes, like Cameron, and I can't remember his wife's name, but they're still together. They're my favorite. Yes. I follow them on Instagram. Uh, and Isn't I just he a redhead? He, yeah, he's actually a, like a some kind of like behavioral scientist or something. I'm not quite sure what he does, but he talked a lot. I remember, and I don't know what he was talking about, but he used a lot of like behavioral quotes. You I should say, reach like, out to him. Talking. I know. He'll part be of on the like, show. Yeah, he's super cool. And they're such a sweet couple. You can tell they really love each other, but like, like literally, you're just you have to agree and ask someone to marry you without ever seeing them. I just yes, I, I, which I isn't how it isn't too. I mean, it is strange, but it's also like cultural considerations because there's plenty of cultures that do arranged marriages. I don't know if you have seen Ninety Day Fiance the other way. No. Have you watched that one? The season Stop that's giving on me Hulu. more shit to watch. <laughs> no. Oh, I'll give what you all the, other, the things. It's the part of the 90 way? Day Fiance, and it's the it's called 90 Day Fiance the other way. So the premise is that Americans are actually going to these other countries to marry someone and potentially become a citizen of this other country. And I think that's gotcha. also a really interesting show when talking about cultural considerations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Because, like, I mean... That is something that happens in other countries and bringing it to like light and, you know, seeing that sometimes it can work. And again, sometimes it's not going to work, but seeing the like success stories were really cool. But I need right now, Mallory, I need you to tell me what was the other one you were just talking about that I did watch. It's like they. Oh, I don't remember the name of it, but you said that they were in like all in a house together and then the experts had paired them off yes. and they had to find who they're it's like are you the one or something that's it that's the one yeah i haven't are watched that one? one yet they said that they had like already created these perfect matches and you were put in a house and you had to find your perfect match in order for everyone to win the money oh that's so again too. there's money as a motivator so mm-hmm. i think that the whole premise of love is probably not most people's intentions of going on these well, types of Well, what was shows. interesting is that a couple of the couples, they actually, you know, started falling in love with each other. Falling in love, I'm using air quotes because they're like all drunk in a house. But then they'd go into the, the truth booth, right, to see if they were a perfect match or not a match. And a lot of the ones that thought they were in love were not a match. And then they'd come back to the house and be like, so sad and be like, Oh my God, he's not the love of my life. She's not the love of my life. And they like the whole house would be like, now you guys can no longer see each other. Now you have to find your perfect match. But a lot of them would continue to like see each other and be like, well, we're not listening to the truth booth. We don't care about the money. Like love is more important than money. And I was just like, this is matching law. Yeah. I was like, this is nuts. Like, you're not a perfect match, but again, to who I don't know what the, who the clout of these experts that say they weren't a perfect match or not, which that's a whole other thing. But yeah, these there's so many crazy shows out there. Like, yeah, there was also Married so many- at First Sight, which is kind of the same premise where they have um, the experts choose who oh, their yeah. is going to be, and luckily we live in a society where you can get divorced just mm-hmm. because you want to. Yep. Versus it literally being binding forever. I watch Married at First Sight. I'm guilty of all this right now, except for The Bachelor um, and Intervention. Um, 
All right. Is there anything else, Mallory, that you're dying to tell us about reality TV shows before we wrap up? I think one of the biggest things is the compound schedules of reinforcement, because that's something that I think a lot of people studying would be like, how is this in the real world? How is this a thing? You know, but I was watching um, Ellen's Game of Games, and there's a game at the very end where they have to guess like 10 celebrities in 30 seconds. I would definitely win that. I always know (laughs) who everyone is. (laughs) Um, But that is a compound schedule. I'm not sure what's one, or maybe it's an example of a limited hold, but it's you have to meet this certain criteria also within this certain amount of time. So you have to engage in the correct amount of responses in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So in the conjunctive, I would say uh, conjunctive, but also remember we've learned in compound schedules that you have to actually be engaging in like the correct response after the time goes by. Like it's so weird. The compound schedules are so effed up, but that's a good example of one of them. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that was one of the main things that I noticed through game shows, but I think that is it. As far as the examples that I had. That's for right now. But guys, this does not mean this is really good news for you. If you're studying for the test, apparently you can watch reality TV and be studying at the same time. You just tacked away at everything that you're seeing. Now you're studying and watching some TV. And also, you guys know you deserve that non-contingent break every now and then. So I'm excited we could do this. Thank you, Mallory. That was, that was fun. I have so, that was a fun yeah. episode. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. I thanks yeah. so much for having me. It's really outside my comfort zone to like be on a podcast. And I even listened back way back to one of your episodes about the imposter syndrome because I was like freaking out. I'm an imposter going on the show, talking to them. So that episode no, was very helpful. Good. I'm glad it helped you. Trust me. I feel like an imposter every time I get on here. I'm like, Ugh, like I like sweat and I'm like nervous. My armpits are sweaty. You can like see like pit stains. It's like, I don't know how after 92 episodes, I still like fear this, but like any zoom like that I get on with anyone, I'm consistently like, whew, like definitely not chill, but I hope I come off chill. Who knows? But anyways, Mallory, like you, did great. you did Thank great. You did great. It was <laughs> amazing. Chill. Yes. Hashtag buzzkill. <laughs> Casey is a hashtag buzzkill. Like literally, <laughs> that's what I call her always. Like anything like fun I think of, she's like, and I'm like hashtag buzzkill. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up. We got, wrap what do you up. got for us? Because I always try I to steal the wrap up and I fuck up. I know. No, it's all me, girl. Okay, guys, you know where to find us. You can find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast, Facebook at Behavior Bitches Podcast. You can find us on our website, behaviorbitches.com. And if you want to support us, you could go to patreon.com slash behaviorbitchespodcast. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat. And Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us, and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard, because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who help us get started 
He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. 